I'm excited. This is my fourth sermon in 48 hours. I am so excited. I preached at a youth retreat this past weekend for about 40 students and uh, had a blast. Preached on evangelism. And so I'm a little tired, but I'm a little fired up too. And so take your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter 1. I am so excited to start this new series, this brief series. Is he worthy? He is. Romans 1. If you're there, say word. If you're not, say hold up. All right. Uh, as I'm doing every before every sermon I, I preach now, you, we've got children in the sanctuary. And it's a blessing. We've got babies. We've got older babies. And it's great. We are blessed for these children. I am blessed to hear little baby Shiloh right now trying to preach over me. Do not be distracted. Do not be distracted by it. If she gets loud, I'll get louder, okay? All right, Romans 1. Go ahead and stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's Word. We're going to be looking at verses 16 and 17. Verses 16 and 17. For I, this is Paul, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, The righteous shall live by faith. Let's pray. Father God, I just pray that you would open up our hearts and our ears to the words that you have for us today. Worship has already been so good this morning. Singing of your glory, of your blood, of your sacrifice. Lord, I just pray that you would help us as we come before you to hear your word, to be edified by it, enriched by it, encouraged by it. But God, we are proclaiming the gospel as we seek to do every week. So Lord, I'm asking that if there's anyone in this room who does not know you truly as their Lord and Savior, I pray God that you will do a work within their heart this morning as we proclaim this message. Only you can do the saving work. And we are trusting in that today. We ask this in your son's precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Why are we doing a series on the gospel? There are many reasons. I've already mentioned a couple of them. One, one of the reasons why we preach the gospel every week to you is because we have a tendency to forget it. I'll tell you Sunday morning, quit working yourself to heaven. Come Tuesday, you're already thinking, man, I need to read my Bible or God's not going to love me today. That's not the gospel. We need to be reminded of the gospel weekly and we need to be reminded of the gospel daily. And why is that? You are a wretched human being. You are sinful. And I'm not afraid to tell you that because I'm telling myself that. 
you are going to disobey God. I'm hoping it's not willfully, (laughs) but you are going to disobey Him. That's just our nature. We were born sinful. So we need to be able to preach the gospel daily to ourselves. We need to be reminded that God's favor is not earned. That your obedience does not make God love you. Believer, can I tell you this? God does not love you any more or any less than he loves you right now. And he loves you. Romans 5, 8, for God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There is no greater picture of the love of God than the bloody, excruciating pain exemplified on the cross. There's no greater love that can be shown to us. And that's the gospel. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 that I I want to deliver this to you as of first priority, as of most importance, that Christ Jesus died for our sins. That's the gospel. But if we go and we share that with somebody, hey, you need Jesus. He died for your sins. Why? Uh, There's more to it. We need to understand what the gospel is. We need to soak it up. We need to live in it. We need to meditate on it. We need to read it daily. We need to pray it. We need to share it. So what is the gospel? Paul shows us here in Romans 1, he tells us that he is not ashamed of the gospel. You know, we express our shame of the gospel when we don't share it with somebody. We express our shame of it when we're afraid of talking to somebody about Jesus. Because we're more concerned about how they will react to us and how they might hurt our feelings than about their eternity. Paul says, I am not ashamed of, of the gospel. I want, I want Red Cross Baptist Church. I want the people in this church to not be ashamed of the gospel. We live in a world today, a pluralistic society. I've said that a lot lately. We've been talking about it in the Apostles' Creed study. We live in a society where people say all roads lead to heaven. That's not true. All roads may lead to God, but they don't lead to heaven. What I mean by that is, is all roads are going to lead to God. You are going to stand before a holy and righteous God one day. Either it'll be in judgment or it'll be as coming to my presence. Well done, good and faithful servant. main idea that I want to get across to you this morning is this. The gospel is the saving power of God for sinners who believe in Christ. 
The gospel is the saving power of God for sinners who believe in Christ. That's what we need to understand. We're not not talking about church attendance. Church attendance is not the saving power. We're not talking about the amount of money you've given. We're not talking about your obedience. That's not the saving power. The gospel is the saving power of God for sinners who believe in Christ. The, The good news that God has given us in His Word through Jesus Christ is the saving power. But yet you look across the world today and you're hearing messages from pulpits that would neglect that. Oh, it's okay. You're good. You might be doing that. God loves you anyway. You'll get there. The gospel is the saving power of God for sinners who believe in Christ. And that's why this, that's why it's important. Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights. That's why it's important Monday through Saturday, Sundays. It's important every day of the week that we may meditate on it. So I've got four points for you this morning. And it's, it's the gospel broken down. I want to give you today the overview. And then the next four Sundays, we're going to break it down. God, man, Christ response. We're going to look at why We are separated from God because He is holy, righteous, and just. We're going to look at as man, what is it that makes us sinful? Why are we fallen? We're going to look at Christ, who is our Lord and Savior, who bled and died on the cross for our sins, who bore our sins in His body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, 1 Peter 2, 24. Then we're going to look at the response, our faith. How do we respond to that message? So today, what is the gospel? This is what I want to look at. If you want to go ahead and write them down, it's just, I want to look at our purpose, our problem, our remedy, and our response. Our purpose, our problem, our remedy, our response. Those are the four points. So number one, our purpose. There, there is a reason why Christ had to die for our sins. There's a reason why this had to happen. What we need to understand is, is, and if you want to write this down, this is not on the screen, the gospel always begins with God. Always. The gospel will always begin with God. It needs to begin with God. It doesn't begin with us. It doesn't begin with you and me. It begins with God. So what do I mean by our purpose we were created for a purpose genesis 1 1 in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth what was our purpose for creation one of my favorites that really drives me crazy you were created because god was lonely he needed you god didn't create us because he was lonely there's a problem with that statement. It was, it would say that God needed something. That He needs companionship. God is self-sufficient. He does not need us. He is never lonely. He created us, our purpose, He created us to worship Him. That's our purpose. We were created to worship. Y'all know me. If you do, I'm a huge superhero fan. I love the Marvel movies. And some of the DC movies, they're getting if, but 
Marvel movies are great. One of my favorites when it first came out, man, when Avengers, the first one came out, coolest movie ever. Iron Man, Thor, everybody else in the same movie. Fantastic. One of my favorite scenes in that movie was when Loki comes out and he's in front of a huge crowd. If you don't know who Loki is, he's a bad guy. Okay. He's in front of a huge crowd. He's telling the people, kneel before me. And he, he tells him, he, he makes this comment. He says, you were created to worship. You were made to worship. And he's right. There is something within us that shows that we were created to worship. What is that? The fact that we tend to worship things. It may be your cell phone. It may be the attention of others. It may be your spouse. It may be money. Who knows what it is? You're probably worshiping something other than God. But when God created us, he created us to worship him. He created us in perfect fellowship with him. We see Genesis 1 through 3 in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Adam and Eve, they're, they're there. And God walks in the garden with them. It's a taste of heaven. It's a taste of heaven. This is what creation's trying to get back to. That perfect fellowship. We were created to worship. Why? You want to write these down? Because God is worthy. We just sang that. God is worthy of all worship. It's Revelation 4.11. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive all glory, honor, and power. For you created all things... And because you created all things, you deserve that honor. God is worthy of all worship. Why? Because we are His. We are His. Like the story of Pinocchio. Dude who creates Pinocchio, Pinocchio calls him Father. Why? Because that's His Creator. God created us. We are His. And He can do with us what He pleases. He is worthy. Number two, He is holy. He is holy. Why do you think Adam and Eve were cast out of the Garden of Eden? They have brought sin into the world. And a holy God cannot have anything to do with sin. Sin cannot be in his presence. So they are cast out of the garden. He could have just killed them. But he didn't. He is holy. Third, he is just. We've talked about this. We're going to talk about this in just a second when we get to our problem, which is next. But he's just. He's good. He is fair. Every decision he makes is a good decision. Our purpose, we were created to worship. 
So we see that in the beginning. We see that all of creation was good and, and, and perfect and in perfect fellowship. And, 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 and But then something happens. Genesis 3 happens. The serpent comes into the garden and Adam and Eve were commanded to eat of any fruit of the tree that they wanted to eat except for one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But yet the serpent comes down, tempts Eve. Did God really say? If anybody ever starts that conversation, that's a good reminder. Did God really say? And then what happens with Eve? She eats. But yet scripture tells us that Adam was at fault. Why was Adam at fault? Because the boy was standing right there. And as the head of the house, he said nothing. And he even ate. It's his fault. Through Adam, sin has entered into the world. So number two, our problem. The gospel shows us our purpose. We were created to worship. But the gospel also shows us our problem. Our problem. Romans 1.18 says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because <coughs> they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than creator who is blessed forever. Amen. They gave... <coughs> I'm sorry, four sermons in two days is really doing a number on my throat. They exchanged God for their sin. <clears throat> I'm okay, thanks for asking. <clears throat> they exchanged God for their sin. They, 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 instead of worshiping God, they wanted their own pleasures. <clears throat> Do y'all care? <laughs> Thanks, Mom. I'm okay. All right. <clears throat> they exchanged God. And that's what Adam and Eve did. The serpent was tempting them, like, don't you want to be like God? And that's basically what we do when we sin. We, we want to be in control of our lives. We want what we want. And we exchange God for those things. So our problem is that now we are, we have rebelled against a holy and righteous God. Ephesians 2, a great passage to go to. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Did a Greek word on the word dead. I did a Greek study on it. It means dead. 
dead. Not dying. Dead. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Sinful, wretched, that's the problem. We are set apart from God. Our sin has, has separated us from God. And yet the problem is that we deserve hell for it. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. The payment of our sin is death. We deserve a spiritual death, church. You and I deserve hell. I was sharing the gospel with a friend of mine and he asked the question. He said, he said, why would a loving God send people to hell? My response was, well, first, God's not the one that's sending us. Our sin is who is what sends us to hell. And second, that's the wrong question to ask. The question isn't, why would a loving God send us to hell? The question is, why would a holy and righteous God send his holy, send his sinless, perfect son to die in our place? I use this illustration Wednesday night. Imagine if Chief TJ walks through the front door and I smack TJ across the face. What's going to happen? I'm going to jail. Assault on a police officer. Well, let's say I'm in the courtroom and while the judge is starting to give me a sentence, I was feeling a little froggy. So I escaped from the table, ran up to the judge and smacked him across the face. The, the dude who's going to sentence me is going to increase his sentence, right? Well, let's say while I'm out in the hallway of the courthouse and for some reason the president's walking down the hallway and I'm feeling even more froggy. And I walk up and I smack the president. What do you think is going to happen there? Either Secret Service is going to take me out or my sentence just got a little bit longer. Why is that? Why is it different from me slapping TJ to me slapping the president? The difference is that the higher an authority that you offend against, the higher the punishment. So if we have offended and rebelled against the holy and righteous creator of the universe... I think hell is a good enough judgment for us. So our problem is we are sinful and wretched and fallen and are in need of a Savior. So what happens? Number three, our remedy. Our remedy. Jesus steps into the picture Plan A, this whole time, steps into the picture. Ephesians 2, 4. But God. You were dead in the trespasses and sins, but God. Being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been Saved. 
and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable, wretched, the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Church, the God that we have rebelled against, <clears throat> the God who we deserve all wrath poured out onto us, the God who, 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 who we deserve through our sin to kill us because we have disobeyed Him, He being rich in mercy sends His Son to save us. I mean, do you see that? Do you see the grace and the mercy? God who needs nothing. God who is self-sufficient. God who is self-existent. God who is happy with Himself. Through His mercy and grace and love, sends His Son, to die for our sins. To die and suffer for us. I mean, do, do you see that? The remedy of our problem. We deserve to pay for our sins, but God sends His Son to pay it for us. Willingly. Lovingly, graciously. We don't deserve that. People, people like to say the cross shows us that you're worth dying for. Let me clear that up for you. You're not worth dying for. You're not. I'm not worth dying for. Because of my sin, I am worthless. I deserve death and judgment. But because of God's grace, see, the cross doesn't show our worth. The cross shows Christ's worth. It showed how much He is worth because it was His blood that's the payment. And that shows grace. If I see something that I think, man, that's a good price. I think I'm going to buy that. That's a good investment. Did I sacrifice anything within myself to get that? Probably not. But if I see something that is worthless and is an expensive price, but yet because I love it, I want it, I'm making a sacrifice. That's grace. You're not worth the cost of Christ's blood. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us. Romans 5.8, For God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I mean, we see the love that God has for people. That's our remedy. Christ is our remedy. And number four, number four, because... We were created to worship and that has fallen because the problem is our sin. We've, we've rebelled and separated from God. So God sends the remedy in Christ to save us, to purchase us as a ransom. 
What do we do with that? What must we do? Number four is our response. What do we do? We confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead and we will be saved. Romans 10. Romans 10 also tells us everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Church, let me tell you, Christ Christ does not save us because we pray a prayer. You do not put faith in the words that you say. That's called an incantation. <laughs> it's bearing on witchcraft almost. You're saved because God reaches down, grabs your heart of stone, and crushes it into a heart of flesh. You're saved because God draws you to Himself. John 6 tells us that. You're saved because God has looked on you and seen nothing special about you, nothing good about you, and bestows His love upon you through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we respond in faith. We respond in trust. We respond by looking to Christ as our Savior, not our works. The Word tells us our works don't save us. The Word tells us our works are like polluted garments. I use this illustration Wednesday night. Anybody got a cat? You've seen those gifts that that little wretched being brings to you? I'm not a cat person. Dirty mice, dead mice, dead snakes, whatever else you find. That's the kind of gift we give God when we bring our works to Him. They're disgusting and offensive. Because when we say that we don't need Christ's blood, that I can do it myself, my church attendance is good enough, I'm going to bargain with you when I get to heaven, how good I've been, I may have slipped up a couple times, that's not going to get you in, into heaven because you're basically spitting in the face of Jesus who walked this earth, lived a sinless life, suffered and died for each and every single sin of the church so that we may be reconciled to Him. How dare you bring your church attendance, your giving record, your Bible reading plan, your loving attitude, and your, 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 your serving mindset. How dare you bring that to God and say, is this good enough? You're not worthy, but Christ is. Christ died for my sin. Christ, Christ died for my shame. He died so that I can be reconciled. He died so that you can be reconciled. And three days later rose again so that he showed that the check cleared, that he, that he was who he said he was. And he is reigning and ruling at the right hand of the Father. Church, our response to the gospel is one of faith where we rest in the saving work of Jesus Christ who has done all the work for us to be saved. So maybe you're here this morning and you've never, you, you've never given your life to Christ. Maybe you are here this morning and, and you just thought, maybe, I, maybe if I just walked the aisle and prayed a prayer and had the church vote on me, then that, 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 that maybe I was saved. 
That's not what saves us. Repenting of our sin, turning to Christ in faith, God bestowing His love on us, crushing our heart of stone into a heart of flesh, that's what saves us. For you are saved by grace through faith. If you've never done that, will you, in the time of invitation, will you come talk to me? We, we don't, we, I don't, I don't do that often. I, I, I don't do the time of invitation where please come down and let's get you saved kind of thing. But I think this message kind of calls for it. If you've never truly put your faith in Christ, let's talk. Maybe you're here this morning and you just needed to be reminded of the gospel. That's all of us, guys. 1 Corinthians 15, when Paul is writing the letter to the Corinthians, he says in, in verse 1, he says, I want to remind you of the gospel. It's good to be reminded of it. Maybe you're here this morning and that's what you needed. Will you seek to preach the gospel to yourself daily? Rest in His, in Christ's saving work? And stop working yourself to heaven because you're not going to make it apart from Jesus. I pray you know Jesus. Because of Christ's work on the cross, one day, one day, we're going to be made new to where we are back to our original purpose of worshiping God. One day we will be in heaven and for all eternity, that will be our life. And it's going to be glorious. I get a little taste of it every Sunday morning here at Red Cross Baptist Church. When we as a body of believers are singing praises to God. Psalms 96 tells us to declare your glory among the nations. Psalm 96, the passage we read earlier, our declaring of God is a response to what God has done within our lives, is a response to who God is. So I pray that's what we are doing this morning. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I pray that you are doing a work within these people. I pray, Lord, that you are helping them see the truth of the gospel. Pray that you are crushing hearts of stone and creating hearts of flesh. Convict us of our sin where we have failed you. Bring us to you. Draw us closer to you, God. We're thankful for your word. We're thankful for the gospel. I pray that we are not ashamed of it. I pray, Lord, that we're trusting in it. We ask this in your son's precious name we pray. Amen.